Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm Elizabeth Lewis, and alongside some of my dearest friends, we've created this show so women have a space to have unfiltered, extremely raw, and insanely real conversations. Nothing is off limits here. This space is for moms who want to talk about everything, to dive into conversations we all deeply desire to have, but fear what others may think of us. This is your invitation to pull up a seat in a judgment-free zone and have a little heart-to-heart. Now, let's get unfiltered. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, and today I'm here with our newest cast, Brooke, Kanisha, and Charmaine, and I will introduce them. We'll introduce them a little bit as we go. So as you guys are speaking up, introduce yourselves so that everybody can get a feel of what they can expect this season, because this is literally going to be our most rawest, realist, and vulnerable season yet, because I feel like so much has happened since season two, and there's so much that we need to talk about. So let's go ahead. You know what, Charmaine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Cool. I love hate introductions. So I am Charmaine. (laughs) I am a neurodiverse mom of two, a wife of one for over 20 years. Yes, I'm only 25 years old, so, you know, no need to ask. I have a really dry sense of humor. So, yeah, that's that. And I love to giggle and just tell it like it is and shoot from the hip in love. So anything I say is in love and does not have the intention to come off as privileged or anything like that. Trust me. I love that about you, though. I love that you just say it how it is, because I feel like we all want to do that. And we're all just really afraid to do that because we're afraid people are going to judge us for actually wanting to speak how we actually feel. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I love that about you. Also, another reason I asked you to be a part of this, because I know you're not going to hold back. No. Right. You're not going to hold back. No. (laughs) I have a whole story with that one. But yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Brooke, go ahead and introduce yourself. I am with Charmaine. I like hate introductions a little bit, um, but I am Brooke. I am a mom of four kind of slash seven, but we can get into that at a different point. I have been married for almost 14 years, busy, 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 and I'm very direct. I am very sarcastic, so I hope that comes across. Um, I love feelings and talking about them. So I don't shy away from that. But I'm also a verbal processor. So sometimes you might hear me like come really strong with an opinion. And then hearing from you guys, I will kind of like talk myself out of said opinion by the end of it. So I just process everything out loud. I don't always think before I speak, which can be really refreshing, I think, and also uh, can get me into trouble. Well, and if you guys remember, she was a part of season two you did a podcast episode with Rachel Redman on infant loss. Yeah. During infertility awareness, we gave space to women that their loss is recognized a little bit different based off choices or different things like that. And so I'll also in this episode, in the show notes, tag that so you guys can go back and listen because Brooke, you share a lot of your story, which I think is pretty incredible that you shared it with us because- it's a vulnerable story. It's a story that's heartbreaking. And I just love that you shared that with us. So I will put that in the show notes. Kanisha, 
go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Kanisha. I am a mom of two boys, 10 and four, and I've been married. I'm in an interracial relationship. I am biracial, my husband is white. We've been married for, it'll be 15 years this year. So I definitely have stories when it comes to being in a, a multiracial, biracial relationship and family. Um, I am a huge, DEI advocate, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a social justice warrior. So I'm always talking about race and racism and how it ties into something that we're talking about or how social justice rights tie into something that we're talking about. And I'm super excited to get real this season. Um, a little nervous probably too, but definitely excited to have some deep combos with y'all. I'm no stranger to sharing. I've been doing it on Detroit Mom Platform for a while, but this is going to get a little bit deeper than than what you may have heard from me in the past. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be so good. It's going to be juicy. Bring on the juiciness. Okay. So we have a list. I mean, a list, guys, <laughs> of topics. <laughs> that we want to talk about this season. And I thought a good one to kind of start would be why in our society as women, we feel like we have to apologize for everything, why we have to apologize for our needs, wants, and desires. And I think you can probably guess, or, or you're one of these women that if you don't respond to an email right away, or you don't respond to someone's text message, or you didn't do something that you thought someone wanted you to do. You always start a conversation with, I'm so sorry I was busy doing this. I'm so sorry I was taking care of my kids. I'm so sorry. This running list of things, right? We feel the need to apologize for every single thing that we do. And probably about, so it's been a couple of years now. I remember reading this thing and then my coach is always like, why do you apologize for everything? Why don't you start the conversation with, thank you so much for your patience. Like, why do you feel you have to apologize? And I have some coaching clients and they always do it too. They're like, I'm so sorry. Every woman I know, and you guys can probably relate to this, where you feel this need to one, say I'm sorry, and two, explain why you're sorry. Anyone else? <laughs> Could it be that, I know for me, it was the piece of taking up space feeling oh. like I have disrupted somebody else's space with the way my brain works. I take things like uber personally, like that's something that I work on. And that if somebody doesn't immediately respond to me, I'm like, oh my God, did I piss them off? Like, you know, maybe I didn't yes. respond that fast the last time. And having to process through that, right? And go, wait a minute, she's a mom too. It's not that fucking serious. Nobody's really thinking yep. about you. You know, like you, I have to go through this process in my head now, but that was crippling because, you know, I'm always, it's like, I always felt like I was apologizing for just being, just being, for you know, being human, right, for being I, you, for being human. Like I wasn't like, I felt like there was, I don't know where the story came from. I'm going to blame it on my mom. Um <laughs> It always comes from our moms. It always comes from the mom, but always feeling like I am disrupting somebody else's life when in the grand scheme of life, everybody is so busy. Nobody's really paying attention. Gosh. And that takes up so much mental space. Right. Well, and it consumes us when we Definitely. do that. Like they're not even thinking about it. And you're nope. over here like there was no emojis in that. They <laughs> didn't have any exclamation points. They just yep. said, yeah. Yeah. Or 
as my husband okay. responds, like, yeah, they, okay. it was like, you wrote this whole thing and you got nothing. And then we're consumed with it. Like there are times I remember not so much anymore, but in previous years, I would literally, it would eat away at me until the person respond. And that person just got busy and forgot. Yeah. And here I am over here stressed that, okay, going through this whole catalog of like, what did I last say to them? What did I do? How would I have pissed them off? What could I have possibly done for them not to respond to me? Because we live in a society that we need instant gratification for everything. Yeah. Well, it's also validation. It's not just gratification. True. Yes. And in reality, if you were to pause and stop and say, okay, this conversation is not all that I'm juggling even, right? Like we're not really sitting on our phone waiting with bated breath. We're checking our phone while managing snack time or driving or, you know, running errands or whatever it is we're doing. So we're not even stopped and fully focused on what we're waiting for, but we assume the worst when we don't get that instant validation. Yeah. And I definitely feel both of y'all on that one and that like, I wish that I could be to that because sometimes my anxiety is so crippling that when I'm, oh my God, like talking or having a conversation with someone about this or like someone sends me an email and it could be something as innocent as, you know, when your boss sends you an email of that, like, can we meet tomorrow? And then you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? What happened? What, where did I go wrong? Did I say something I shouldn't have said? Did I do something that I couldn't do? Like, sometimes I feel that my anxiety puts the extra layer on, even when I'm like, if I have like an argument with a friend or something like that, where I just can't stop thinking about it until I get that text message back with the, with the validation or the gratification. You know, one of the things I had to learn because my husband is, I call him an old Negro spiritual because he is definitely like conservative value. We are kind of polar opposite. And so what I mean by old Negro spiritual is like a guy that is just solid. He's from the South. There, what he says, he says like, that's just, and I had to learn that, that when he says, okay, it literally means okay. Like he's not thinking into it. He, it's just okay. And so being married to that man <laughs> has kind of forced me into the space of not taking things so literal and so serious and to bring it down. Because what he says, he means there's like, if he says, okay, or if he says he doesn't like it, it's, that's what it is. And I'm like, there are people that do that? Because I would spend, (laughs) I would spend hours, like he would say something to me and I would go, well, maybe he meant this. And me and my girlfriend would be on the phone. Well, you know, how did he say it? Well, he said it like this. And he's like, babe, I'm, you know, I apologize if that's, if it came across that way, but this is actually what I meant. I'm like, oh my God, where does he come from? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. My husband's like that too. I wonder if that's like a husband thing where if he says, okay, he's like, well, what else did you want me to say? I just, I just said, okay, like I'm agreeing to what you're saying. I'm acknowledging, (laughs) I'm acknowledging you. And I'm over here like, well, you, you couldn't have said like something like a whole sentence or, and, and do we take it personal, right? Yeah. I think that when you were talking, Charmaine, that's like a big thing I got from that. We take it so personal. So I'm over here like, okay, Brooke, what is your analyzing of this as women in the therapist role? Like, why do we do this? I mean, I think there's just, oh, there's so, there's so many reasons, right? Um, 
insecurities, you know, like not like projection too, right? Where the way that you communicate, you expect other people to communicate the uh. same way. So if you're an over explainer, <laughs> that feels like you're giving a piece of yourself to the other person. Like you're sharing details, you're sharing information. And if the other person doesn't share information that way, then it's like, okay, well, you are going to get the very literal like reader's digest version of an answer. I'm that way. Like I, there's no fluff. Like I, I say what I mean, or I will answer a text with okay, because that's all the question warranted. <laughs> You're that person. I am that person. <laughs> and, you know, I've even had my husband, you know, he'll like keep going and I'm like, I are we getting to a point, my love? Like, are where, what is, mm, that is a lot of words. And you could have said that in one sentence, you know? So I, I think a lot of it is just, it's unintentional projection. We are used to the way that we communicate and it makes sense in our minds. And if it feels appropriate, it feels good. It feels like we are connecting and we expect that type of connection in return. And that's why, you know, these different types of like personality types or, you know, what you do, Elizabeth, is so important to kind of know those people and how they operate in your life because you can kind of eliminate some of these anxieties and insecurities if you know, okay, this yeah. is how my spouse communicates. This is how my best friend communicates. This is how my boss communicates. But it, it takes events and it takes conversations to learn that. So, I mean, yeah. there's there's a learning curve with anything. I think, you know, even some of my initial text threads with you, Elizabeth, like, or, or on Voxer. Sometimes like I wouldn't hear a reply for two days. And at first I was like, Oh no. no. And I'd like replay. What did I, did I say? No, I didn't. Okay. Oh, wow. and, then, okay. and then I just learned like, Hey, that's how you communicate. Yeah. One of my best friends, sometimes she will not answer a text. And I have like an immediate question I need answered for a couple hours. And it's just because she's busy or she's working or her kid is not in daycare because they closed it. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with me, but it takes that familiarity to learn that and to be comfortable with it. We've got to give ourselves some time. That you saying that is so interesting because a lot of times I have like a million tabs at all times going. So like I'm responding to someone here. I'm responding to someone on Instagram, you know, DMs. I'm responding to a text message. I'm responding here or an email and like, I'll see it come through and I'm a lot of times because I'm doing so many things. I'm a mental responder. So like when people send me a message, I'm like, do, do, do in my head. And then I'll go back and I'll be like, oh my gosh, did I actually respond to that person? And then I'll have to go back or sometimes what happens, another big one for me. So on certain days, if I give Marin my phone and she swipes up notifications, yes, I won't see them for days. And then I'll be like, gosh, I never heard back from that person. Yeah. And then I'll go in and see that they actually responded back to me. So it's so interesting. I've really tried to be conscious of that because I feel like what you just said, where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, that person didn't respond to me. And hearing you say that, like, isn't it so funny we're a mirror for each other? Like, reflect that back to me, where it's like, okay, what can I do differently where I'm not missing things when my kids have it? Do I have to like, go through all my social channels because I don't want people to feel that way. And even like the work that I do with human design, like the big thing with human design and leading teams is really understanding how they function and how they like to be responded to, how they need validation or praise or how they communicate. You know, like I have friends that if I don't send emojis, they're just like me. They're like, are you mad? Why did 
you just said three words. Like, that's not like you, you know what I mean? And so like understanding when I respond to people, it's like, Hey, I'm just really super busy. So I'm just going to give you like the cliff notes or something like that is it's but you, crazy. I was going to say, even with you sitting in that, you didn't do anything wrong. It was my own insecurity of like, we don't have an established relationship. We're still getting to know each other. And so learning your patterns yeah. of behavior, like you didn't, you do wouldn't feel wrong. like that now, would you? Would you feel no. like that now? Okay. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because I see all that you do and everything you have your hands in. No, not I don't yeah. take it personally at all. But even bringing that up, you were like, oh, do I need to change something? Do I need to create some mental task list to not make people yeah. feel like that? But it, it, in reality, it was my own insecurity. It was nothing that you did. You're a busy working yeah. woman with children. Oh, gosh. I, yeah, this is good. I can this say so good for me, too. I have to walk the fine line in between wanting to be aware of how other people express themselves, need to be spoken to, all that good stuff. And the fine line of not doing the most to people, please. Like uh. there's this fine, like this whole thing with not speaking up or like feeling like like somebody is not responding to you for me is like this fine line of, okay, like you don't have to keep checking on. You don't have to keep, you give space, you know, you don't have to seem like the good friend or the smartest one in the room or whatever that comes up too because i am a recovering people pleaser i'm in mm -hmm. people pleasers not anonymous Amen. but <laughs> we need like a group like we legit need a people pleaser anonymous group because we need to recover <laughs> we need recovery steps Brooke, can have you, you read us? um not nice by no, dr no, aziz no. that's good and the disease to please is fabulous. Um, we'll include those. Can you send me those and I'll include I'll them in the show the notes for people? And everything, okay. but I have them on audiobook, so sometimes they're in the background on repeat. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. with the job that I have now, it's like all the other people pleasing shit that I've taken care of. Now that I'm in this job, I feel it like rearing, which people pleasing always gets me into some of the most precarious situations because I did some whack shit to try to make it seem like <laughs> that I was the shit versus like just pulling back and taking my time. And it's like, oh shit, this is like a people pleasing thing. And so I have to get back and grab my tools. Yeah, it's people pleasing is so exhausting and nasty. I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds like a good read or a good listen on it's audiobook. Yeah, I definitely And he has a great voice. find myself people pleasing um way too often to the point where um it's I even do it to my kids like and I don't know if anyone else yes. can relate to that, but um I sort of just like mm -hmm. give in because I grew up in such a awful childhood like traumatic generational trauma that i will people please till the day that i am gone to make sure that my kids don't go through that which i know there has to be like a limit though right like we have to set a boundary and a line which i try to do most of the time but like today my son had a stomach ache stomach ache quote unquote right um and he's like mm -hmm. my stomach hurts and what i do okay we'll go home you can just stay home with me today like that boy was fine like <laughs> he ate snacks all day he watched his ipad like so just like making sure you know that i'm like 
sometimes going too much into the, especially for my kids. And then I'm guilty of probably doing it more for my kids than my spouse, like, and not doing it enough. Uh, I can totally relate. And it feels so horrible to tell my son no. Like it, I'm just now learning to apply boundaries. Like we had boundaries, but he would come with those big, beautiful brown eyes. And I would go, okay, just this one time, we're not going to do it again the next time. (laughs) And the next time comes and you're doing it. I do it again. Because you can't help yourself. I know. Yeah. And that's where the I'm sorry's come in too. Sometimes even with our boundaries, right? We're like, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. Like with our kids. And it's like, why, why are you apologizing? Like that is the boundary. I am the parent. I'm the parent and that is the boundary. Why am I apologizing for it? Because that's not going to change. It's, you know, again, instead it's validating. Yeah, this is hard or you may not like this. And. And also, Brooke, do you feel like for everyone here, do you feel like we're also raising kids that feel like they also have to people please because we as parents don't have boundaries where we're always giving into our kids and our kids are like, oh, mom always did it. Everything I wanted, mom always gave me. It was always this, because I see it with my kids, like especially Lauren being 22. And I felt like I was always making up for being a single teen mom. So I was always like, oh my God, I got to give her everything because I didn't have it. Or my mom was so dysfunctional, you know, because she had a lot of mental health issues that I had to like bend over backwards, contort myself, do all these things just so she was like, oh, I had this really great childhood. You know, I don't know. So I'm like, are we raising the next That's generation deep, of Elizabeth. people? I know. I think it can go both ways though, right? Because I think that my, like I grew up with a, a people-pleasing mom and then I feel like I was Brooke with boundaries, right? And so that came off really cold to a lot of people or a lot of extended family members. So I think you can go the opposite direction with it too, where it's like, I'm not going to people please at all. And I'm going to have these hard, fast lines. And then you've got to kind of get to the middle of the spectrum. Well, and also, Brooke, you are a manifester. Like that is your, like you're meant to do that. Like, I think you've just really lived in alignment for many years of your life. And unconsciously recognizing right like you just didn't have that where you like that desire that need right to people please because you're like i know who i am i know what i'm capable of i know what i'm gonna do whereas i think it's so different like especially for me i can speak for myself like being a generator and being someone who's just like i just love everyone like like right now we're in the process of contributor call and they're going through, they're like, no to this person, no. And I'm over here like, why? Oh, gosh, their feelings are going to be so hurt. Why do we have to say no to them? And it's like, well, we can't take all of these people. And it's just this like process. Whereas I don't know that I want everyone to be happy, which I know is so unrealistic. Even my kids, even my kids, but I will not put my kids before my marriage, period. This is what we're talking about on Detroit Mom and Brooke and I have had all these like side conversations. So we'll have to like come back to this. But I know it's crazy to people. But for me, I watched my mom and dad have such a dysfunctional marriage that I was like, I'm not going to have that because I want my kids to grow up and see what a good, healthy marriage looks like. And that includes devoting and prioritizing time to your partner and all these capacities. I know we're getting off topic, but... I don't apologize for that. I will openly say that too. And people are like, oh, but your kids are little. Like your kids should come first. And I was like, no, 
Not always because kind of the conversation that I had, like I was saying on stories is I don't want to get to my kids going off to school. And I'm like, who is this man I've lived with for the last X amount of years? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't prioritize this marriage with him. I'm like, who, I don't want to get to that point where we don't even know each other. We don't know what each other likes. We don't have conversations or even know how to be uncomfortable or silent with each other in the same room because we don't really know each other. So this this is a whole whole... nother one because, because my marriage is, is going through that now and us reprioritizing each other and the facts yeah. of we're roommates like we're not pissed at each other but it's just like what's up you good I'm good all right peace like so you like you know it, that was yeah that was my marriage for a long time until so we're like wait a minute like what happens when these kids leave what what, what I don't want to be my parents where they're trying to find ways to get away from each other during the day same that was <laughs> Like my dad was like, oh, I'll, I'll pick up that extra shift. Like he was like, peace out. Yeah. Like mm. he just didn't. It, it, it's crazy. I know. Like I'm literally like, oh, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but kind of going into, I'm trying to remember where we, where we left off with, uh, oh, the people pleasing thing and the apologies. I'm, I'm 100%. You know, I'll actually admit I had a writer call me a people pleaser and I was so offended by it. I was like, how dare you call me a people pleaser? And then when I actually took a step back, I was like, oh, I'm 100% a people pleaser, 100%. And I think it comes my whole life from like not being parented by my own parents because my mom had so many mental health issues and my dad just wanted to be away from my mom. So I felt like I was always like, I'll do that. I'll do that. Like, okay, if this makes you happy, okay, I'll do that. Yep. I'm going to get really good grades. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'll clean the house. I'll do this. You know, like I'll get Jen, my sister, Jennifer dinner. I'll do this, you know, because I've always had to people please my entire life. And so it's carried throughout my childhood. And if I'm not people pleasing, I don't think that people like me because I'm not doing what they want me to do or they expect me to do in this huge messed up array of things. Like I am 100% guilty for that. I'm sorry. Not anymore. I always like, I always say like, thank you so much for your patience and things like that. But the people pleaser, whoo. Yeah. That was hard for me. Yeah. We had some, it sounds like we had similar backgrounds because my father is, was still an alcoholic. Right. And so you have that parent that is not emotionally or mentally available and the other parent who's resentful and who's like it's. And so you're just trying to keep everybody happy. And I've noticed this with kids of divorce, too, where you have the space of wanting to keep everybody happy and the pressure of that. It's interesting how these things morph because they happen during our most formative years. And although we've been adults longer than we've been kids, how these kid items still like that inner child wants to just cut the fuck up like she (laughs) she sure does yeah let me be free let me just yeah let me feel safe let me feel free to say what and how i want to say things and do things and just experience life and when that piece is broken i'm not a psychologist or a therapist i'm just speaking from my own experience When that's broken in those formative years, your entire paradigm is skewed. Like your belief systems, like all of what you think you need to be safe is skewed. And so then you keep like, there are some things that I just recently stopped doing. I had to go, okay, Charmaine, 
Like you're safe to do this. Like you don't have to have, my son told me I have constant, well, he didn't say resting bitch face. He just said, why do you look so mean? And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) But I had to have that to protect myself in certain situations because I always took care of myself and it's like, it's safe. You can smile. You can be easy. You can be soft and pink. I know a little bit off topic, but yeah, when that, that skewed, it skews everything and giving ourselves grace for that. Yeah. I think you just opened a whole nother part of this is, do you feel like people pleasing is even worse in other cultures in the black community or women of color? Because (sighs) there's not, I don't know the best way to put this. For me, I guess it would depend on the situation. Like, because for a long time we are assimilated to code switch depending on whatever like conversation we're in or like space that we need to feel that we have to be safe in so we might have to code switch to assimilate to feel safe in that space which we shouldn't have to do but still um society has driven us to be able to i mean society has driven us to have to do that in certain situations like um Example, if I'm up north, I'm probably going to act a little bit more reserved than I would in southern Michigan or something like that, just depending on the group of folks that I'm around or knowing the area that if I'm welcome in, things like that. So, yeah, that's for me, at least. How about you, Charmaine? So it depends. So I didn't have to start code switching until I reached high school. Like I didn't have any black friends until high school. So my my level of experience and having a code switch, like I would always get told by other blacks, you sound white. You sound white. I'm speaking proper English. What do you mean I sound white? And so it wasn't until I went to high school where it was predominantly black, but it was kids. I went to cast. So it was, although it was predominantly black, you had kids from all over the place. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I didn't get like black, black friends until I became an adult because black people didn't want to hang out with me. So my my people pleasing and code switching was switched. I had to try to speak slang so that I could fit into the communities that I thought I should have been a part of. Whereas when I went into often mixed or non-black spaces, it was like, oh my God, you're so cool. But when I went to, it was, it was, it was the weirdest thing growing up because my mother really, and probably because of her code switching, she worked in the banking and she was like one of the first black tellers at Wyandotte Savings Bank. And so she had to code switch early. So I was always taught that there is home talk and then there's work talk, but it sounded like to me, work talk and home talk were the same thing. I mean, she was, she always spoke proper English. So or I don't want to say proper English because she just spoke the accepted English because of where she worked at. So for me, it was just a different experience. And that's why, you know, and it was just such a different experience. Like I didn't really have to experience that. My experiences are different than many others. I mean, I'm grateful because we grew up down river. So there was Polish, there was Italian, there was Arabic, like there was like this huge melting pot. So I got introduced to a lot of cultures. But in regards to having a code switch, I didn't have to start doing that until like high school. 
And I still don't know all the slang. I know all the cuss words, but I don't know all the slang. I don't know anything either. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel My like black this card is... has been revoked many times. Well, that's another <laughs> thing. Oh, I actually did a training on yes. this recently about how that's n- should not even be a thing about having your quote unquote right? black card revoked because for one, who gives you the right to take away the color of who I am? Like, there's no right to that. And and just because I didn't do a particular activity or know a particular word or something like that doesn't mean that I'm less of a black woman. Like, so I I just thought that was interesting. It was something I was recently talking about in a different space. Yeah. My mother calls me blackish. She says my husband. (laughs) Oh my goodness. See, this is like, even hearing you say code switch, I think is a whole nother conversation because- I used to listen at the height of George Floyd and all of uh, the movements and things like that. I listened to the podcast Code Switch and I honestly didn't really understand. I I just started listening to episodes, not what Code Switch meant. And so hearing you say it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. It's something I didn't know exactly what Code Switch meant. And so adding that to our list of topics to talk about, because I do think it's important. And when I'm talking about people pleasing and the apologies and things like that, you know, asking if you feel like it's different in as a black woman or a woman of color or anything other than white, if you feel you have to overcompensate because of that, you know? So I think that was like my question, which you guys answered. Yeah. It it just depends. (laughs) Yeah. It's so crazy. Do you, do you apologize a lot for stuff, Brooke? Are you an apologizer? Mm, not Brooke. <laughs> I, Brooke. I, think it de- I think it depends on the relationship. I would yeah. say I'm really insecure in new relationships. I, I just okay. am. I'm not, I'm not a huge social person. I get really uncomfortable in large group settings. You know, I'm, I, I take it in, right? Like I will sit back and then kind of figure out, okay, how do I fit in here in this group dynamic, in this setting, in this relationship? So I would say probably at the beginning of relationships, yes. If I don't care about the relationship or you've been an asshole or we're really good friends, (laughs) then there's no – you know what I mean? Then it's just like, "Mm, I didn't see your text. Life is busy. You know what I mean? I don't have to preface it with an, I'm so sorry. Oh gosh, that must feel so good. I've I've gotten a lot better. And I it's so funny. Sometimes I have to collect myself and remind myself when I'm telling other people, like, you don't have to apologize to me for your desires, your wants, and your needs. Like you wanted this. I had someone, a friend, reach out and she's like, I was thinking that I wanted to do this and I know this, this, and this. And she was going through. She's like, I'm so sorry. I just like I thought it would be a really great idea, but I wanted to check with you first. And I was like, don't be sorry for wanting that. I think it's a great idea. I didn't think anything of it, but she was so worried about presenting this thing to me because she thought it was like a conflict of interest. And I was like, I think it's great. And you don't have to apologize for wanting that. That goes back to that. How do we change that cycle every time we feel the desire or the need, not even desire, the need to apologize to someone? So if we're like, if we're going to type, I'm sorry, or something like being able to turn on that switch that says, did I hurt someone? And is that why I feel the need to respond with, I'm sorry, or is it, I just was busy doing something and there's really no need to apologize, but just thank them for their patience or, you know, stuff like that. Like, thank you so much for your patience. I 
thought I, I always tell people like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I mentally responded to you. It was not intentional. And so I think when we can come at it from that place, instead of always feeling like we have to apologize. And like you said, it's really a projection, right? Because I'm a very deep person. So I think when, when I message someone and they don't reciprocate, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I say something? But hearing you get, hearing you even Brooke say that, that that's not everybody. Everybody is not, does not want to go deep. Some people are just really happy surface level and also recognizing a lot of that is sisterhood wounds too, yeah. which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I had the last time my mom was visiting, like she's, she apologizes all the time, all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And she asks questions all the time, like, can I get this to drink? Can I eat this? And, you know, my two-year-old would have a tantrum. She'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? You know, and it got to a point where even when I was saying to her, please stop apologizing. You don't have to apologize. I flipped the script this last time that she visited and I was like, what am I doing to make you feel like you have to do this? I was like, it's making mm. me really uncomfortable because you're my mom. Go grab whatever you want out of my fridge, out of my pantry. My son is crying. That has nothing to do with you. So am I doing something that's making you feel uncomfortable? And if not, we got to figure this out because now I'm on edge because I don't <laughs> – I don't want you to keep apologizing, you know, and just kind of bringing that to the room and bringing it up saying like, am I doing anything? Because if I am, I yeah. want to stop immediately. Right. Like Elizabeth was saying, it starts with awareness. So asking yourself the questions. And that's what I, I've been doing a lot. Then I journal. So I begin to notice mm -hmm. when those triggers are, because I don't know about you ladies, but there's certain things, like you said, there's certain things that will make me apologize more. I have certain kryptonite spots that will make me just go into full on people pleasing mode and like you know share that like, tell us Shami, what what are some so of your triggers meeting new people is a trigger and i have to really <sighs> bring myself in and the job that i have i do bookkeeping for quickbooks and so we meet customers we talk to them and I find myself wanting to do all the things for them, like because I want them to have this awesome experience. And so that's how sometimes I feel when I meet people. I want them to have this awesome experience, but then it ends up exhausting me because I've went so far out of my authenticity. I've went so far mm. out of alignment from my values that I'm exhausted and then I'm resentful. Like they're supposed to know that I like outstretched my myself for them. And so I've had to learn how to rely on my team. So like we don't do everything by ourselves. We have a team. So that takes away the people pleasing because I'm learning how to say, I'm going back to those skills from disease to please. Let me get back to you. Let me think mm -hmm. about that. Give me just a few moments. And even before like saying no, I had like this one guy, I tell you, sometimes men are the worst. And he felt, <laughs> you could tell <laughs> that he felt really entitled to for me to do specific things in his books. And I'm like, give me just one moment. Let me like, give me a couple of days. I'm going to check on it. And I knew the answer was no, but like it, it would say, it just would have taken longer in the call for me to go back and forth with this guy about this. Called him back in a few days and go, Hey, I spoke with my team. Unfortunately, this is not something that QuickBooks does. If you need this, you can try our, like, you know, so it allowed me the space to keep from feeling pressured to have to say yes to something like, oh my gosh, we could talk about how that plays in the sex too when you're a people pleaser. But anyways, that's a different conversation. <laughs> oh, oh, that adding that one to our list. Yeah. 
but that was the situation. That was the the most recent situation. And I've I've just learned from this experience, like this job has taught me so much already, is that my trigger is meeting people new. Oh, interesting. You know, you said something that stuck out to me that might be another adding to our list, right? But having not only are we apologizing overly, um, but I don't know if y'all are like this, but I recently probably since I found Elizabeth (laughs) that I don't say yes to every single little thing. Like I was a yes person. Like if someone was going to ask me to do something or Kanisha, can you volunteer for this? Can you make this? Can you come write this for us? Can you do this extra whatever I need you to do at work. I'm always, yes, yes, yes. I will fit it in. I will find a way. But I've definitely changed. I I know with that over like the last couple of years of saying no or being like, it's okay to say no, to not have to take everything on. I wish I could stop saying I'm sorry, but instead I just say no. <laughs> but, I always but say a fast good. no and a slow yes. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that should literally be on your like a screensaver. Like, yeah, that's so if who if you're listening, like write that somewhere and put that somewhere because it is so true. And Kanisha, I will say I've noticed a huge difference like in that with you is and also you're not designed that way. I'm gonna keep going back to your human design. I like know. you guys are, you know, <laughs> Brooke and Kanisha are manifestors. They're not doers, they're not like they're just not. And so I feel like when you're so in alignment and, and this also comes with a lot of work on yourself. And I think we can probably say for all of us doing work on ourselves to recognize, because I think like, I think you said it, Kanisha, the first step or Charmaine said the first step is awareness, like being aware that you are doing this because I know so many people that have zero clue. They're Mm. just sleepwalking through life they're going and doing their day-to-day this is what it is no like not even this accountability or responsibility of self like of self and and i see it and i notice it you know i think that the the cool part is we can sit on here and we've all we're all at different stages in our lives raising children that we could come from a place of like yeah i've been there i've done that i've been that person and in the person I was, you know, two years ago, which is, is a whole nother conversation too, is, you know, when you meet someone at a period in your life and their, like their idea of you is that period of your life. So say, let me give you an example, grief for me in the period of losing my mom and dad, I probably, I definitely wasn't the person I am today. So if you expected a lot from me or wanted a lot from me, and I couldn't give that to you because I was in a deep place of grief, your perception of me is so different than the woman I am today. But you hold that perception of how I was as I was grieving the loss of both my parents. And that's your idea of me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a crazy, a crazy, which then also causes the sense of people pleasing because there are interactions that I think about constantly. And I'm like, there's nothing I could have done to change that because of the place I was in at the time, you know, and this goes into people accepting and having compassion too, like so much stuff, but it could just be the other person. Like (laughs) that's something that I've definitely learned over time where, um, I've been in like, you know, a scuff with someone and I 
feel like I'm over apologizing or that, you know, what we've been talking about, what did I do wrong? And then later down the road, realizing, well, shit, I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't me. It was the other person. And they had like stuff going on in their lives, maybe that just didn't align with what I had going on at that point in time. And we needed a break. Like, and that's, we keep adding right to our, to our topics, but like friendship breakup, I've been through a couple and those are really, really hard. And that's just sort of came into my mind when we were talking about this, because, you know, you're people pleasing to try to keep your friendship going or saying yes to try to keep your friendship going when it's okay if y'all just can't be any longer, like at this stage. Ah, that's a part of that sisterhood wound too, because Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of friendships that I like thought we were going to go the distance. And then shit got real crazy. I'm like, how did how did I miss this? Like, what? What's, <laughs> she nuts? Like, what, what? <laughs> because I think we attract people in that season of life that we're in. Yep. And then what happens is we're ready to grow beyond that, and they're not. They're not. And that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And I, I see it. I'll tell you through my transition and through the years, like going from a teen mom to all this, you know, all these different phases in my life, you know. And I think friendships, statistically, they say change every seven years. So, so you keep a couple people from each phase. Like they, if like I can look back and I have a couple people from each phase of my life right that maybe one or my two my ratchet and- phase my, <laughs> my holy I didn't phase, get to have that phase. Yeah. <laughs> i didn't get to have that phase um <laughs> but i think that yeah there's like this is the whole idea right this all goes into the people pleasing the apologizing like all the things that have accumulatively added up throughout our lives yes to make us feel less than not that we don't deserve it, unworthy or things like that. And how we compensate is like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, or I'm I'm going to do this because I feel like it's what I have to do. Yeah. To keep this. Like, it's almost two motivations, right? You can people please because you want that other person to be happy. And then also you can people please because you're uncomfortable with how it's going to play out. Right. So the Ooh. I'm sorry oh. is because you're uncomfortable with how they're going to respond. Hmm. Like it, it, it's more about I don't want to deal you. with the hard stuff. Don't give me the yes. hard stuff. So I'm sorry. And can we move on? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when growth comes in the uncomfortable moments. Yeah. Every interaction with a friend that didn't go right. Every situation that you people pleased or learned from. If you acknowledge that that's what you were doing is a, an opportunity to learn, you know, it's one of those things that I'll say it over a million times over and over is everything happens for us, not to us. And when you can change that mindset of what am I, when a shitty situation happens with a friend or your spouse or a partner or whatever the case may be, what was I meant to learn from this? Why did this happen for me, not to me, but what was I meant to learn from this? And so... Oh that my keeps gosh. you from going I, insane too. I know. Yeah. It really does because we can get into that victim mentality so easily. But if we can really retrain how we think about how things happen for us, it really changes the dynamic of things. But oh, I feel like there's so much here. And I'm Juice. sure there'll be like an offshoot 
of this because just even from this, I literally just put so many into my phone that we talked about that we need to continue. But thank you guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. Do not forget to like, rate, and review over on any platform that you are listening to the unfiltered mom right now because the more people that review it share it like it the more women that get to listen to the unfiltered truth of motherhood where it's not sugar-coated we're sharing the real shit up in here so thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week